It'll be all right. Just keep on going. So begin our journey home from our vacation this last week. I think we're supposed to be on the road over there. I bet we can cut over here in a minute. <laughs> we, were, we had been in a, 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 our vacation with our family, and uh, Kelly and I were, we were on our way home. We were about to get ready to go. We packed up our kids, uh, uh, and we, right when, at the moment where we got everybody um, where we thought it was packed, no, no easy feat, mind you. There's six of us, okay? We got everything piled into the car, and, uh, and you know, when you're coming home from vacation, that's kind of haphazard, right? You just, the, the goal is just everything's in the car. Um, organizational pattern is a little bit removed. And we got, my, we got the car packed, and the plan was, okay, now we are all hungry, um, and so we need to get food. We have done what we can to get in, and we need to go get some food before... Um, Somebody in our tribe just tried, just, just begins to try to kill us, okay? And that's the kind of thing that happens when everybody gets hungry, right? And so we were, we were going to go, and we were going to go get some food immediately. And of course, we had kind of pushed things as long as we could, so we were kind of, everybody's already on edge. And that's when I realized, as we got in the car, that I didn't know where my wallet was. So we had to unpack everything in the car, <laughs> Go back and check the hotel room and everything. It took us about another 45 minutes, okay? It's not a really important part of the story, except for I want you to know that we had gone to the place where we were hungry, and then we did something else for about another hour, okay? So when we got in the car and we started going home, we knew where we were going to go eat, and then we took the wrong turn. I just want you to kind of feel that a little bit, Okay? Two roads, one of them uh, on the left had all the stuff that we wanted, uh, food, coffee, gas, and it was over there, and we could see it, we could see everything that we were trying to get to, but we were on the other road. And it had some really useful stuff, too, like construction equipment rental and apartments. Um, stuff that was useful to other people, I mean, <laughs> but not to us. And in between these two roads, okay, which were just, I don't know, 300 yards apart from each other, running parallel to each other, there was a river. There were times when I thought maybe I could swim it, okay? But I'm telling you, because this river was between us, we drove for, you know, a few miles, and we just couldn't, everything was over there, we just couldn't get over to it, right? We couldn't get to it. Everything we needed. Just out of sight, and just uh, across a bridge that wasn't there. One of the threads that runs all the way through Scripture is that there are two ways of living in the world, okay? Uh, now, and 
the truth is that there are so many variations of those two ways. There's a lot more than two ways to live. I guess everybody in the, in the world's kind of chosen their own path in some regard or another. There's, there's a, a billion, a, a billion, billion different ways of living in the world when you think about all the different choices that go into what our lives are. But in Scripture, often we get a picture of those, all of those different paths kind of boiled in down to two simple roads. There is a road that is dangerous and leads to destruction. And it's the way of foolishness. And then there is another road, another way, another path. The way of wisdom. The way of wisdom is a way of living your life that brings life to you. That helps you flourish and thrive. And it's a way of living that takes into account uh, the sorts of choices that, uh, that what, what will happen with the choices that you make. You know, you kind of have to, if you're walking the way of wisdom, you look down and think to yourself, what, where is this choice that I'm making going to lead me to? It's a, it's a path that takes into account the way of God and, and what God has taught us about what's good and right in the world and about what's not. It's a way that... Uh, takes account of other people that eschews uh, selfishness and greed and begins to think about not just one's own self, but also the other people that make up their life. Look, look there's, there, are, there are two ways of living in the world. There's a way of foolishness, and there's a way of wisdom. And the way of wisdom provides a direction for all of those thousand choices that we make in a life. Those, those thousand choices that we make every day. And it gives us a framework and a trajectory for what it means to live our lives well. There are two ways in the world. A way of foolishness and a way of wisdom. And when those two ways come up in Scripture, it's very clear that it is so hard for us to find the right road, right? We seem to have a propensity for choosing the way of foolish. I don't know foolishness. I don't know what, what it is about the way of foolishness that has so, so much appeal to us, why it is so attractive to us. I don't know why it is so much easier to take a path of foolishness than it is to take a path of wisdom. It's like it has a certain kind of gravity to it that, that pulls us into it over and over and over again. Traveling the path of foolishness, sometimes as individuals, when we, when we seem to feel like maybe in our family, like we just don't know what the right words to say, uh, we don't know the right words that will help our relationship with our family just kind of click like we, we kind of think it should. Or we don't know the, the way to act in a certain kind of relationship that will let that relationship help us feel free and loved. And... Or 
we, we find ourselves on a road of foolishness in those relationships sometimes is what I'm trying to say. Like we're kind of losing control and losing, um, like it's falling down around us and we don't really know what to do with it. That's just one aspect. I mean, we find ourselves traveling a road of uh, foolishness sometimes with our financial lives, right? And sometimes we find ourselves having made choices that seem to be piling up uh, with consequences in the wrong direction. And sometimes we travel a road, a financial road, long enough that, that has, you know, that's been foolish, that it keeps putting more and more and more and more and more pressure on our lives. That's not just for poor people. Rich people travel a road of financial foolishness sometimes too, right? We find ourselves in places where the decisions that we've made about our, about our lives has kind of led to this thing where it feels like our money is in control of us rather than us being in control of our money, right? feel like it kind of rules us as we've been traveling a road of foolishness. We, we feel like we've taken the road of foolishness sometimes in the way that we uh, organize our communities and our lives together. There's so much to say about this, but I, I think there's one of the things that's uh, just a truth of our, our world today is that there, uh, we have such a struggle. We, we all realize, we all realize that there is a brokenness in our communities, in our society in our social life together there's a lot of disagreement about what it will mean to actually turn to a life that is wise there's a lot of disagreement about what it will mean to fix it but there's not really much disagreement about the fact that it's like crazy broken because we travel a road of foolishness and we can idealize, we can see, we can imagine what a path would be like that would be different. And it seems like it's just across the edge of a, wa of a river. We just can't find the bridge to get over to the right place. We've been traveling a road of foolishness, and we're not quite sure where the road of wisdom turns. So many parts of our lives. Not, this is not just theoretical religious stuff, y'all. This is like our practical lives together. The way uh, we spend our money, the way we deal with our family members, the way we uh, live lives of, uh, uh, of vocation and work, okay, or the things that we do uh, to play. And I mean, every part of our lives is touched by whether or not we're traveling a road of foolishness or a way of wisdom. Scripture, over and over again, uh, invites us to come and to follow that new and different road, a new way of wisdom. Whether we're thinking about what happens in the stories of the patriarchs or of the people of Israel, or whether we're thinking about uh, the stuff in our, uh, what we call wisdom literature, like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and these other books, they invite us in through story or verse Consider what it would be like to live, to abandon the road of foolishness and to live a life of wisdom, but we just can't find to see, seem to find the way over. And then comes Jesus. Jesus uh, is many things when he comes to the world. 
we usually think about Jesus as the Savior, and sometimes we use the language of Jesus the Lord. But Jesus comes and he fills many roles. He kind of takes uh, certain kinds of types that are uh, present in the old stories of Israel, and he, he kind of fulfills those in different ways. And so you have Jesus that comes, and in some sense, he's going to be uh, a prophet. He's going to come and fulfill roles like the Elijah's and the Isaiah's of old, where he stands before the people of power, and he confronts them, and he shows them that what they're uh, going to do is, is leading to their destruction that God is going to bring judgment on them and then there's other times where uh, Jesus seems to be filling the role of the long-awaited king of Israel right and there's so many times when the gospel writers pick up scriptures of Israel's past to kind of put Jesus in the framework of a king and he has people who have decided to live under his authority as a king and he establishes a new kingdom. He talk, talks about what the kingdom of God is going to be like. And his disciples respond to him asking him when his kingdom is going to come and what it's going to look like and when he's going to restore the kingdom. Jesus is a prophet. He's a, he's a king. But there's another role that Jesus plays uh, in the scriptures and, in the, and when he came to the world. I think he came in part to help us understand what it would mean to leave the road of foolishness and to turn towards a way of wisdom. Jesus was, in some ways, a sage. Now, part of what's ironic about that, thinking about Jesus as someone who was a, a teacher of wisdom, a sage, if you will, uh, is that for many people outside the church, that's the only way they still think about Jesus, right? They think about Jesus that had some good things to teach, that had some good ideas that, uh, that maybe have been abandoned. They think about Jesus not as somebody who was the Son of God, but as someone who was uh, a wise teacher who, who was able to kind of give useful information to people about what it meant to live their life. And what's crazy is that while uh, they've abandoned the rest of uh, the identity of Jesus, they don't think about Jesus as a prophet sent from God or as the king of the world or the universe, and they don't think of, about him as being God's only son, somehow the secular world has kind of retained this idea that Jesus was one of the great teachers of humanity. And the only question I have about that is this. If the world can still see that, then why why do some in the church abandon that idea? I mean, we seem to be ready to accept that Jesus was the Son of God. We seem to be ready to accept that Jesus is the Lord, the King. That He is the one who saves us from our sins. That He was one who was issuing kind of prophetic judgment against, uh, against the conditions of His day. But we seem reluctant sometimes to think to readily acknowledge that in the teachings of Jesus, we actually find a better way to live. A way of wisdom that will lead to our flourishing and lead to us thriving and lead to us having a full life. And yet there he is. Among all the other titles that Jesus may have worn in his day, certainly one of the most accepted then, was that he was a teacher. 
that he was the one who had the secrets of life. When I think about what it means to allow myself to think about Jesus as a, as a teacher of wisdom, I think about a lot what, what that would mean for us to be a community of people that's dedicated to Jesus as still the Messiah and the Lord and the save, our Savior. But I wonder sometimes if in our baptismal formulas, when we ask people at the time of confession, are you willing to make him your Lord and Savior? I wonder if we should also say, and are you willing to listen to him as your teacher? Are you willing to listen to the wisdom of Jesus? I wonder what it would mean for us to be a community fully devoted to the wisdom of Jesus. To be a, a community of wisdom that understood together what it meant to, uh, when, when Jesus talks about a way of life, a way of wisdom that, that honors God, that honors our neighbors, that honors each other. I can imagine us being a people who are full of a spirit of wisdom. Not just advice, not just a community of advice. I, I, don't, I don't think what I'm envisioning is just a community of people that when you have a problem, you, all of a sudden you get 15 answers about how you should solve it, okay? Okay. But what if we were a community that was so devoted to the way of wisdom that we find in Jesus that as we face obstacles and challenges as individuals and as a community together became more and more practiced in the skill of discerning what was wise in any given situation. Uh, so, so that when we have a, a family that's struggling with certain things that, that they... That, they feel like in this community they're going to begin to find the way forward. Find a way to resolve the conflict. To find a way to, to move past the obstacles that have been built up. What if what if when a, a person among us was kind of struggling on the financial end, not just because they couldn't pay their bills or something like that, but because they just weren't sure what to do with their money to make their life work right. What if they felt the confidence that in this community there were people not just to offer immediate help or a solution in terms of like paying the bill, but that they would find here the wisdom to make their life work right. Or, or what if what if in our community here, when people were struggling about what it means to, to live in a kind of balance with their work, so that the things that they do in their office or the things that they do at their work site, uh, that all that kind of made sense with the things that happened in the church? What if being a part of this community made you better at doing your job? Or at least 
made you doing your job more a part of your actual life in a way that made sense. What if being a part of this community of faith, this community of wisdom, allowed you to help connect the dots between your family, your work, your pocket, your body, and your God. So that all that was kind of tied together in a whole, a whole life. I think that it makes sense. We really just stop and hold up, right? That it makes sense that the greatest teacher of wisdom that ever lived, Jesus, that he has left us with the skills, with the information, with the things that we need to be that kind of community. I really think that. I think that that's part of what God wants us to be in the world, is a community that has learned to listen to Jesus so that wisdom makes sense to us. It's not to say that sometimes, because of the gravity of the road of foolishness, that we won't find ourselves doing foolish things, making foolish mistakes, okay? I mean, even in the church of wisdom, there's going to be places where people experience moments of foolishness. And, and you know what? That's kind of part of the way of it because we gain sometimes wisdom because of our experiences of foolishness. But I can imagine a community of wisdom that has listened to Jesus and has just learned to add to our wisdom, wisdom, and wisdom. There's this story that Jesus tells at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 7. It's what Andrew read to us. It's what the kids sang to us at the very beginning of our, of our uh, worship this morning. About a wise man built his house on a rock, right? The wise man that built his house on a rock, and uh, he did that in such a way uh, so that when uh, the, wor- the flood finally came, when the water swept through, that his house was able to stand. And then Jesus paints the picture of the way of foolishness, too. The way of foolishness is, uh, uh, is, looks like a, a po- person that has built a house on a pile of sand right there in the, in the riverbed, and then the, wa- the waves come and the floods come and sweep the house down. It doesn't stand anymore. And Jesus says something very radical about, about these two pictures of foolishness and wisdom. He says that the defining factor about whether your life is going to look like the wise man or whether it's going to look like the foolish man in that story. The defining factor about whether you're on the way of wisdom or the way of foolishness is whether or not you listen to his commands and then actually do what he says. Jesus says that the ultimate factor in whether we're on the way of wisdom or the way of foolishness is whether or not we do what he says. I think we have to recognize 
that there is a day where what Jesus says here will be so starkly visible. In other words, the flood is coming. There is coming a time where how we are building our lives, whether we're building them on the foundation of Jesus' words or whether we're not, whether we're building them on a foundation of wisdom or on a foundation of foolishness, there is coming a day where there will come a flood to test that. Ah, who am I kidding? The flood is here. In fact, it's one thing to be building a house on a floodplain. But it's another thing to be building it when the water's already around your ankles. See, I don't think Jesus is just talking about some end of times judgmental flood that's, you know, the judgment of God. I, mean, I think that's part of the story. I think Jesus always is talking about that too and the way that God evaluates our lives and holds them up. But you know what? I don't think this is just about a one-time flood. I think the flood in this story comes over and over and over and over and over again. I think that flood is the way that our lives are tested by life itself. The things that kind of test us to see if we're going to be able to hold up or stand up and our lives flourish and thrive or whether we're going to just kind of have to keep building the same house over and over again. This is a house about a foolish man. Uh, this is a story about a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And you know what? That's foolish enough. But don't you think it's more foolish if, he, if the, Jesus told the second part of the story and it went something like this? And then the man started to build the house in the exact same spot again. And he rebuilt it. And the flood came. And it washed away the house. And so he went and got more lumber and came. And on the very same site, he began to rebuild his house over and over again. I mean, how foolish, right? But I see us in that. I see us, despite all of the evidence of our own foolishness, Continuing to try to rebuild our houses without listening to the words of Jesus. And then I hear Jesus pointing us to a rock. Pointing us to a place where it's safe to build. Pointing us towards a place where if we would build our lives there, our lives would begin to become more and more steady and stable and whole. I hear Jesus inviting us out to come and to live the life of wisdom. There are two ways in the world. One is a path of foolishness that leads to our destruction. And one is a path of wisdom that leads to our flourishing. What I want to say today, and honestly, all year long, <laughs> is what I hear Jesus saying in this story. Friends, let's seek the path of wisdom. 
Let's be a community of people that devotes ourselves to the way of wisdom that is found in Jesus the Christ. Devoting ourselves to listening to Him, to following His teachings, to letting Him show us the difference between what's foolish in the world and what's really, really wise. Let's be a community that together seeks the way of wisdom. In the words of Scripture, which show us what is wise, not just in Jesus' story, but in many other places too. Let's be a community that seeks the way of wisdom in the voice of other wise people of our community. Isn't that one of our greatest gifts? That as a community together, we, we have people who have great wisdom, maybe just in certain parts of their lives, maybe as a whole. We can kind of lean on each other for that. That's great, man. Let's be a community of people that seeks the wisdom wherever we can find it, testing it to see if it is the way of wisdom that comes from Jesus. Let's pray together. Holy God, we need more wisdom. We need your wisdom to rely on the way of life that you have offered us in Jesus. Oh God, would you help us to turn away from foolishness and by your Holy Spirit open our eyes to what it means to live a better way, to own and claim your, your wisdom, Father, so that our lives may be defined by the way of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Hey, today the invitation is for us all, really all year, to be on that path, to be seeking that way of wisdom. But if you have something that you wish to share with the church today, uh, then you're certainly welcome to do that while we stand and sing together.